Welcome to the Gem Revealed podcast, where together we discover your soulmate. This is a weekly series of powerful conversations with expert speakers, thought leaders, and relationship coaches talking through the victories and villains that weave their way into our most significant relationships. Please join me, Janine Moniz, founder of Gem Revealed Matchmaking, to learn the raw truth regarding the pitfalls and plateaus of dating in today's society. We will have open and transparent conversations surrounding the staggering facts that one out of every two marriages fail. Let's stop this insanity and learn how to date smarter. Learn how a healthy relationship starts with you. What do you need to do differently to build the right foundation for your relationship? Welcome, Gem Revealed listeners. I'm so grateful you're checking back in for another episode of Gem Revealed, Self-Mastery to Soulmate. It is my absolute commitment to you to bring forth incredible information that I could share with you every week that will not only impact your relationships, but your overall life. And today I have with me again, another guest who is really uh, just speaking about a topic that we really all do need to hear, if not for ourselves, but for caring for others. And I think we've outdone myself again with her. We uh, just recently met, her name is Marie and Alessio. Welcome Marie, so grateful to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So Marie and I are going to tackle the topic of grief, love Mm -hmm. after loss. And this is such a huge conversation, such a big topic. I know I personally know so many people who are going through this right now. People are really close in my inner circle. And I'll tell you, most of the time I come up short and uh, the best thing I ever know what to do is just say, I'm praying for you. But Marie, for you to give us some clarity, some insight for anybody who's gone through a loss or even just, I would think a a tremendous breakup would be also considered grieving. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your wisdom and thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to our conversation as well. Yeah. Why don't you just share a little bit about yourself first and then we'll dive into the topic. Okay, I'm happy to. So I'm Marie Alessi, as you just said, and I actually am from Austria originally, because a lot of people um, question about the slight accent that they can hear. And I've been living in Australia since 2004, for good now. And uh, yeah, so my background is um, actually advertising. I also worked as a flight attendant for a couple of years, then came back into advertising. And when I met my beautiful husband, and we had two children, I knew that that wouldn't mix with advertising. And I got out of the industry, kind of stumbled into the world of self-development. And very shortly after that, opened my own coaching business. And I just absolutely loved the work of, you know, working in transformation, helping people with their mindset. And uh, that was the start of it all. That's pretty much in a nutshell as it gets my last few decades. (laughs) <laughs> I've certainly been privileged here a little bit more, and I know that you have some yeah. uh, pretty warm story to share with us. So I'm looking forward to diving in. Okay. So, yeah, let's start straight in. So, basically, what I just shared, you know, the coaching business, I had that for about seven years at the time when I received quite a life changing phone call. And uh, I still describe this moment um, when you imagine that you are 
I'm showing my age here when I say this, but when you imagine that you're listening to your favorite happy song on a record player and all of a sudden the needle scratches over the record player and, and life just becomes completely still. That was the moment when I received a phone call from a coroner's office that my husband had passed away in a hotel room that morning. And that was, as you can imagine, quite a shock moment for us. The boys were only 10 and 8. We had two beautiful boys. I still have them. <laughs> Sounds weird when I said we had. I still have them. And uh, Rob had flown to the other side of Australia for a business trip about three days prior. And we were on the phone the night before, you know, the usual, I love you, I talk to you tomorrow. Had a really beautiful conversation about love, funny enough. And the next morning, he didn't wake me up. He wanted to wake me in the morning. And I woke up at the time where he was supposed to wake me with a slight weird feeling in my stomach. I remember that so vividly. It was this slight weird feeling. And I'm like, he didn't ring me, something happened. And I have to say, Rob was one of those people that you could always rely on. Like if he said, I ring me at 7.30, he would ring at 7.30 on the dot. And I woke up at 7.31 with this weird feeling. And the whole day I had been trying to get in touch with him and sent him text messages and came up with so many excuses why he didn't ring. Maybe he left the phone in the cab. Maybe left the phone in the hotel. Maybe, you know, I, you just come up with excuses, but your gut feeling already tells you there's something different. And then I was actually the one who rang the hotel because I had the number from the hotel he was staying at and said, can you please send somebody to my husband's room? My gut feeling is telling me, you know, there's something going on. He didn't ring me. I actually didn't tell the hotel that I had a vision, a very short vision of my husband collapsing in the shower. And I didn't want to tell them because I thought they must think I'm completely mental when I say that to them, you know. So I just said to them, can you please also check in the shower? I remember saying that and that's where they found him. Gosh, I want to just take a moment just to absorb what you're saying yeah. because there's so there's not much to say after that except to breathe for a moment so I the first yeah. thing I know to do is just to validate that I can't imagine what that must mm. have felt like and especially with children so young uh, yeah just, I just can't imagine it was an incredible moment like literally it feels incredible literally as in you can't believe that this just happened it is so surreal and you know you always think that happens to other people not to me everybody thinks that everybody thinks this only happens to other people not to me and this is sad when it happens and you're heartbroken but then all of a sudden when it happens to you it is obviously extremely different and I still remember the moment when I had to share the news with the boys which was really probably the worst moment of my life I have to say having to share this news with the boys and um, and then we drove to Rob's mom and dad and I rang his siblings on the way I rang my mom on the way because my mom was due to fly out she's in Austria still and she was due to fly out for my little one's uh, first holy communion so her flight was already booked and um, weirdly enough the timing worked that she came to the funeral and the funeral was two weeks after on a Thursday and on the Sunday I walked my little one down the aisle for his first holy communion it was incredible it was such a turmoil and emotional turmoil as you can imagine those first couple of weeks were just yeah ridiculously in function mode I always call it my, my brain switched to function mode like that you know there was nothing else I could um, I could have done in terms of you can't prepare for things like that you, you're never prepared for anything like that not even when you think you're prepared you're prepared does that make sense it's really um, it makes total sense yeah yeah so 
I mean, I have so many questions, I don't even know where to begin. And some of them, and I'll let, I'll maybe throw out a couple of thoughts I'm having, and then you can unpack it however you'd like. Absolutely. Of course, what's going through my mind is, you know, how long ago was this? And, you know, here mm. you are, you're a successful coach with a thriving business. How long does it take to get back up on your feet? And then the whole notion of, you know, how do you actually even open your heart to love and how do you heal? Like, how does this all happen? So that's a whole plethora of thoughts. So I'll let you unpack that in a methodical way. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll probably probably, uh, walk you through a couple of milestones that happened for me that were uh, tremendously important for my healing and also for what I am doing these days. Um, The first thing, the first question you ask is easy. How long ago did that happen? It was in June 2018, so a little over three years ago. And um, so after we had the funeral, I remember I actually had a nervous breakdown. I still remember that. And it is such a pivotal point in this journey. And that's why I'm sharing this in a nutshell here, what happened. The, the boys were figuring over, you know, brushing their teeth and, I remember uh, calling up to them to please, please stop fighting. And my mom was here. And I have to also say, I've got a really great relationship with my mom these days. Unfortunately, that wasn't like that um, when my husband first passed. Uh, we didn't have that really close relationship. Rob was always the buffer between the two of us. And this buffer had not only gone, but it was also tremendous circumstances, as you can imagine. So having her here was actually a little bit overwhelming for me. I needed space for my own healing. I needed space to be able to breathe, to be able to do my things. And there was constantly somebody in my space, if that makes sense. She wasn't like in my face, but having somebody in the house when you're going through something like that is just really quite, yeah, I don't have words for that, but I think you get the gist. It's really, it was not the most harmonious way of being together. Let me put it that way. Is this your mother or mother-in-law? No, that was my mom. My mom, she flew in from Austria. Yeah, so she was staying with us for four weeks, which was a really, really long time for me. And um, my my parents-in-law lives like 45 minutes from here, and I've got a really, really good relationship with them. But saying that, I think having anybody in your space for four weeks when you're grieving is just incredible. It is really disruptive. And uh, so the boys were pickering, I, I called up to them. And then I remember at one stage, I yelled up and said, I just need peace and quiet. And that moment I said that, I remember how everything within me just collapsed. I could not stop yelling this sentence. In fact, I was screaming it and I was screaming it louder and louder until I had an absolute nervous breakdown. I was just screaming that same sentence on the top of my lungs over and over again. I just need peace and quiet. I just need... And I remember I was collapsing. I was sitting on the kitchen floor, whacking this kitchen cupboards like in complete despair and, and fell apart. And I remember watching myself when that happened. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. And I remember thinking, if I don't stop the neighbors will send someone, you know, they'll send someone with white jackets and they take me off. And I was really, I was really worried about that. I was concerned about what was happening to me and I could not stop it. And this is such a pivotal point because I remember sitting there on the kitchen floor and everything was peace and quiet. And I remember how horrible it felt the way it happened, but how good it felt, how quiet it was. Does that make sense? It was really that silence, I will never forget. It still gives me goosebumps now when I talk about it. And 
What I did next was I, obviously I walked upstairs because we've got an open plan house. So the boys heard everything. I felt horrified to the core that the boys had witnessed me falling apart after having just lost and just, you know, had the funeral of their dad. And um, I sat on the bed and I, I talked through them, you know, talked through what happened. And, uh, and I said, look, do you know how you're talking to somebody at school? They were both seeing a school counsellor. They were incredible. They were just looking after the boys. She was an absolute, absolute beautiful person. And I said, I think I need to see somebody too. And my oldest son held my hand and he said, I think so too, mum. And it was so beautiful. It was such a bonding moment. It was almost like a promise. And the next day I called someone and I made an appointment for literally three, four days after she had an emergency appointment. I was so grateful, a positive psychologist. I'm actually going to name her Emily May. She was absolutely life-saving for me and the most beautiful person. So why was this so important? About four months after that, I was sitting in her office. Um, I was seeing her for about uh, four months. And um, it was one of our last sessions, actually, I sat with her and I said, you know, Emily, the thing that really gets to me is the expectations of society. And this is a really big point here. Society expects you to fall apart. So I've done my part, yes tick one box, I've fallen apart. Uh, society expects you to wear black for the rest of your life or depending on your religion, maybe for a year, maybe for the rest of your life, you know, and society expects you to go through the worst part in the first six months and after 12 months, you should be ready to move on and go back to work or things like that. You know, there's this weird expectation of society. It's very cookie cutter approach that doesn't work at all. I don't know one person that this approach works for, but this is what society trains us. So, here was the key question. She looked at me ever so calmly and said, so what does grief mean to you, Marie? And I was like, wow. I said, you know, this is really bizarre, but the first word that jumped into my mind when you asked me is empowerment. And that was very unexpected, as you can imagine. It was absolutely unexpected. And I'm like, wow, I did not expect that. But the first word that came to mind was empowerment. And we talked through that and I said, you know, I felt such enormous strength after our past. And I understand that I felt this strength because I needed it to cope with what I was presented. And um, apart from the nervous breakdown, that was literally a falling apart and screaming moment. And then knowing, okay, I need help. I have never felt helplessness after that ever again. It was really incredible where uh, I had maybe moments of it. I, I don't want to say never, ever again, but I, I had moments of it, glimpses of, of it. But the majority of the time, I felt really empowered and supported and looked after, which was incredible. So that was the very moment when I looked at her and I said, I think I need to write a book about this. Um, I, I want to stay there for a moment just so I can yeah, kind of yeah. spread this together. So the mm. first thing was, is you, you, you're just fall apart. That's what I'm hearing. Like step one in this, or you know, phase one, yeah. if you will, is I'm falling apart, and then mm. accepting that you need help, and mm. going through the process of help, defining yeah. what grief meant for you, and understanding yeah. that for you, what you needed to get out of it was a sense of empowerment to get through yeah. this terrible time. Yeah, that doesn't, you know, it's what it means to you, not to the rest of the world. Everybody has to come exactly. up with their own. Yeah, what it means to them but for you what you needed was a sense of empowerment to keep working yeah. your way through this that's that's what I'm yeah. I think the very first moment was uh complete numbness I remember when I heard when I heard the news I was just numb I was 
in absolute disbelief. I was like, this is, this is not happening, you know? And within literally seconds, I remember because there was only a couple of minutes where I received the news where I had to gather myself and then walk downstairs and tell the boys. I literally didn't have much time. It was uh, writing down all the facts. I remember I had this tiny little um, diary next to my bed and I just opened it and wrote down a few things that the sergeant had told me, you know, where I can reach him if I need anything, where, like facts. And then I sat there and I had to walk downstairs and tell the boys. And so I instantly went into functioning mode. There was no time for falling apart. There was none of that. So the falling apart came when everything was over, when we had received the news, driven to his, uh, to his parents, flown to Perth the next day, which was five hours flight away for us to identify his body, come home, arrange the funeral, pick my mom up from, from the airport, uh, do the funeral, and then when everything was over, I think it was the day after the funeral, that's when I fell apart. So there were like two and a half weeks in between. There was no, I received the news and I fell apart at all. I received the news, I had a moment of numbness, I snapped myself out of it and went into functioning mode for two and a half weeks. There was a bucket load of paperwork to be organized, the funeral to be done, everything. I had no time to fall apart, if that makes sense. And that's why I'm saying I, I bring this back to the immense sense of power that I felt, the strength that I felt. And it was almost like Rob had poured his whole strength into me when he passed, that's how I felt. I was borrowing of his strength of the two of us together because we were such a strong couple that I felt our story, our love, that's what gave me the strength. And I knew I had to do everything within my power to be there for the boys, to hold space for them, to make sure that they are not falling apart. And then when all of that was done and all the boxes were ticked and the funeral was done and everything, that's when I had my moment of falling apart. But that was until two and a half, three weeks after. Mm. There was a whole lot in between. Yeah. So you brought us up to this moment where you went through yeah. some, you know, I'll call it counseling or awareness mm. with uh, some help that you yeah. really sat through and came to this place of understanding that it might be a book in here, maybe something yeah. that will help you process this. Yeah. And I actually did that. So the book writing was an incredible gift from a beautiful lady. I'm also going to name her here if that's okay, Pam Brockman. She took me under her wings. It's her thing to help people become an Amazon number one bestseller. And we surely did that. So her book writing course was like eight weeks. I did it in four weeks. It was literally like a download. As soon as I set, it just all came to me. I, read, I wrote the whole story. Um, about how I met Rob, how we fell in love, how we had our dream wedding, barefoot wedding on the beach, and you know our beautiful home that we bought together and our two boys, and then how he passed and how I dealt with it. So I felt I needed to share our story. There was no real huge intention or thought behind what I do with that. I just knew I had to share our story. So I did. And uh, as I said, I wrote and published a book within four weeks. And I was on a bit of a time frame because I had booked a trip around the world with the boys for two months. We were leaving at the end of November. So uh, beginning of um, October, I think I started, I can't remember exactly. So it was pretty much three years ago now to this day that I wrote the book. And overnight, the book became an Amazon number one bestseller. And it also reached the top 100 in Australia. I just could not believe it. Like Pam said to me, it's, 
sort of easy-ish if you know what you're doing to become an Amazon number one bestseller. But she said, what you really want to go for is you want to rank in the top 100 in Australia. And I couldn't believe that I made it. I was absolutely bobsmacked. So, so what I want um, to do before we take another yeah. pause here a moment is, so I heard two things that I just want clarity on or just a little bit more information. Sure. So you wrote the book and it became a number one bestseller. And then that yeah. really was on the heels of going away for two months. So yeah. um, for a reader who's intrigued by this book, Mm -hmm. what is the book going to leave them like what is is it just a story or is there yes. a message in the end so I want to hear a little bit of that and then this yeah. clip I'm intrigued by so are these two things that were part of the healing process did you want to go on the trip to get more healing was that already pre-planned yeah. so just share yeah. a little bit of those two things as it, as it fits together yeah absolutely so the book really is a story. It is written in absolute conversational style. It's like me sitting here telling you the story, how Rob and I met. And um, the reason why I wanted to share it is because I dealt with Rob's passing so differently. I went into positivity, into happiness, into creation mode. I wanted to create the happiest life possible for the boys and myself. And that was a promise I made to myself at the very beginning. And as I said, after that nervous breakdown that I had three weeks after, I went like, okay, this can't happen. I need to be there for the boys. I need to create something. I need to do something. And I literally went into doing everything I had in my mind to focus my entire being, my entire mindset, everything on happiness. So it really was my sole intention to create the happiest life I could possibly have for the boys. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you might get to this, but I don't want to bypass this because this I'm sure, sure is a question on everybody else's mind. I cannot tell you how much I align with the fact that you, you know, if you, whatever you choose to believe, you, mm. you, you'll bring into fruition, right? So if you're thinking positive yeah. and you want to create happy and you want yeah. to be filled with joy, you're going to choose to funnel and filter everything through that. And therefore there is joy, yeah. but yeah. because I'm not an expert here, but yeah. death is something that's so extreme and so traumatic. And as you said, you went through this nervous breakdown. And I've watched people yeah. very close to me be the wives of yeah. husbands who have passed away. And it's, I have no words. So by yeah. doing this, and I guess I would need to know a little bit more of the time frames here, but mm -hmm. is by doing this, are you short circuiting a natural process of whatever grieving is and trying to mm -hmm. escape it? Like are you totally throwing yeah. it all under the carpet and I'm just going to so focus on this that. or, you yeah. know, so I think I got out the question, but I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm pre really important that I would not yeah. want to tell somebody just throw happiness on and forget grieving. No, like, and, and you can't, it's impossible. You know, I know it sounds so easy now in hindsight, but it's not, it is a simple decision. It's simple, but it's absolutely not easy. Absolutely not. So, um, in a nutshell, no, you cannot tell anyone who has just lost someone, uh, you know, just focus on the happy things. It's, it's impossible. And I'm saying this with so much love and respect for anyone and everyone out there listening to this and uh, people who maybe have lost someone or are dealing with somebody who's just lost someone and want to support them. And this is a very, I'm so grateful that you asked this question because it's a very important point here. So a couple of things to answer those questions first of all rob and i were that couple where we had a few conversations around this you know when you're driving home from work you hear sad news on the radio you do talk to your wife about that when you come home and he i remember rob and i having 
three or four of those conversations where we said, if something was ever to happen to you, I want you to create the happiest life possible for you and the boys. We said that to each other all the time and we meant it because that's what you want for somebody. When you love them so dearly, you want them to be happy. That's what you want. That's what love is. You want the other person to be happy, whether you're around or not. That's just a fact. So I knew that already. I knew that Rob wanted me to be happy. I knew that he wanted me to do whatever I can to create that. The other step that is quite important for this story is that Rob and I had actually planned to take the entire year of 2019 off and travel the world with the boys. We wanted to do that as a family. The boys didn't know about it. It was a huge surprise that we had planned behind the scenes. And we are still, are still now have the entire itinerary in, in uh, cut out photos from travel magazines on my wardrobe. I've never taken them off. And we had planned to go through South America, up, up through Europe, back through Asia, and literally have an entire year of summer with the boys and homeschool them. So we had started a side business that was taking off really well. So, you know, we had everything, every step planned on the way for us to do that as a family of four. When Rob passed, I did not think that I could do that on my own straight away. I obviously knew, you know, there's, um, I, I also closed my coaching business down as soon as Rob passed. I knew that I had nothing left for clients. I just needed to be there for the boys. And, uh, and as I said, you know, we, we walked through the steps already after the, the shock moment of the news and, and the funeral and the falling apart and then writing the story. Writing the story again and sharing that with the world really reconnected me to the promises that we had made to each other, if that makes sense. It was a very important point for me to reconnect to this promise that Rob and I had made to each other. And what I mean by that, by focusing on happiness, is I, again, there are two sides to the story. The one thing is that if you only focus on the sadness, the passing, the loss, the whatever you want to call it, I, I refer to it as Rob's passing. I don't want to call it a loss for very many reasons. Uh, it's the language that we use that is really, really important. And the other side of the thing was that um, it is the tiny steps that you start with. You know, there's one exercise. I'm going to quickly share that here right now. Why wait till the very end to share some golden nuggets here when I can do it with the story? There's one exercise that I get my clients to do all the time. Uh, and in particular for those who say, I don't even know how to focus on happiness right now. This is impossible. So I get them to choose their favorite color. In my, in my um, circumstance, I would uh, choose orange because orange is one of my favorite colors, as you can see in my background. Um, and choose one day, one entire day where you focus on the color orange. See how many items you can find that are orange. In my case, I've got a little lunchbox container standing here where I have my nuts and stuff in there for a little snacks. I've got a folder in orange, another folder in orange, a uh, letter holder in orange. I've got my wall paint in orange. I've got the orange painting, orange flowers. I can see so much orange just where I'm sitting because I love the color. When I walk around, I would probably find, you, you would easily get a list of 50 to 100 items in a day that you find in your favorite color when you focus on it, when you focus on it is the key sentence here. So people go like, okay, I can do this because everybody can focus on a color. And then the next day I ask them to replace their favorite color with the emotion they miss the most. And that to me was love, Rob's love. I really, I really missed it. And here's the key point as well. You need to detach what you have lost from who you have lost. 
So when you think of the emotion love, obviously for me, I can't focus on Rob's love. I focus on love all around me. Where can I find and see and feel love? So, you know, that can be in a movie that you watch. That can be a mom hugging her baby on the street. That can be two friends hugging when they meet. I know there's not a lot of hugging going on in the world at the moment with COVID, but, you know, you can see love everywhere in all the places. When you look for it, you will see it. And this is the starting point of it all. So to me, it was what I put my focus on and also my language to really, really be mindful. I always say, what's your language, Marie? And it's really how you talk to yourself. Um, the words that you use are extremely important. So for me, when I talk about Rob, I talk about his passing rather than my loss. Um, I talk about my healing journey rather than my grieving journey if that makes sense. And the reason why I'm saying this and the reason why this is so important is because for me, it was not a shortcut. It was a more caring and nurturing way for me to go about it. Because when you focus on your healing, the grieving happens along the way anyway. There's no stopping grieving. There is no shortcutting grieving. It is there and you go your process. But I can promise you, that it is a lot easier and more bearable and more beautiful and caring and nurturing and soft when you focus on your healing rather than on your grieving. Because I promise you, you will grieve either way. But I, what I you focus what on saying. is important. I, I love mm. I love what you're saying. And, and I'm also recognizing mm -hmm. my own, you know, patterns in my mind that I'm like you said, society yeah. teaches you to think something. Now, you know, I went through my mm -hmm. my the greatest loss I've had, as you said, the yeah. passing passing of my dad. That was just traumatic yeah. for me. It was yeah. traumatic. Divorce. I went through that, yeah. um, and that was traumatic. But yeah. um, I have this stereotypical view of like you're supposed to fall apart and stay there and yeah. you know be paralyzed and mm. you know have all these emotions and don't, don't shortcut it. Feel the whole pain, but yet. Yeah. What I know you're saying is true. And how do you deliver this message with such mm -hmm. compassion and empathy and love for somebody who's going through it? But the words are real. And so another question I would have is, what was the time frame from the time that you said, okay, I want to be empowered and I'm going to write this book and I'm going to finish the book. So yeah. from the time that Rob passed to writing yeah. this book and knowing I am going to go through this journey of like, putting my healing process first with strength and, and I've had yeah. a happy life. Was it six yeah. months? Was it a year? A lot less than that. So it was actually, the book became part of my healing journey, I have to say. So Rob passed in June and I wrote the book in October, wrote and published it in October. And then in November, we went on, uh, end of November, we went on a two month trip around the world. And uh, it was literally in Vienna, Austria, which I had never realized till somebody in another interview had pointed it out to me. He said, so your movement was born in the same town like you. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, I never realized. I was in Vienna where I was born. And I remember I was in, um, funny enough, in my apartment where I used to live because my mom moved in there when I moved to Australia. So she still lives there. So when I come back to Vienna to stay with my mom it's like I'm staying in my apartment still which is really quite fun actually 
Um, so I was there and the boys were sleeping and I was just, you know, having one of those moments going back through everything that had happened. It was around, um, it would have been just around Christmas time because that's when I was staying with my mom in that trip around the world. And I was just thinking back how incredibly far we had come as a family of three. You know, it was one of those moments full of gratitude. There was definitely bittersweet around that as well of not having Rob with me in Vienna celebrating Christmas with my mom. Um, and it was our first Christmas without him. So yeah, that was one of your previous questions as well. You know, the trip was planned to get away from all these milestones, the first Christmas, New Year's, boys birthdays in January I did not want to be here in Australia without Rob going through that I knew I had to create something really beautiful and something that we could focus on so the trip around the world was just incredible for us you know it was not the entire year with Rob how we had planned it but it was a short version of what I could do with them the three of us and we traveled extremely well together I was so blown away by how beautiful this trip was for us we did, I don't know, I can't remember, probably seven, eight countries in two months. <laughs> and um, yeah, so anyway, I'm sitting here thinking back how far we had come as the three of us. And and it hit me where I thought, wow, this book, you know, not only Amazon number one bestseller, but also ranking in the top 100 of Australia. So this is mind blowing. And all of a sudden I had this realization where I thought, I've got something that the world needs and that is hope, that is joy, that is happiness. There is a way how you can grieve in a way more nurturing and beautiful and soft way than what society suggests and expects from you. So I had this thing um, where I thought I need to do something about this. And funny enough, as it, as it is when you put something out there into the universe and you know there is something that is really important, I received an email, uh, which was just the usual email newsletter that I must have subscribed to years ago from a mentor. Um, I'm also going to name and shame him here, Mike Bonus. He is all about building tribes, building movements, building uh, more than just a group, you know. And I got this email at the just, just at the perfect time and I reached out to him. I explained to him in a nutshell what had happened in my life and that I would like to talk to him and he said yep let's do that so we made an appointment for like a week after my return from the world around trip and I opened the doors to loving life after loss to my global movement on the 19th of March 19 so it was literally nine months after Rob passed which is incredible when I think back now it's just it blows my mind it, it, it was such a whirlwind I was literally just going with the flow and there was so much flow. It was literally like the universe had my back all the time, the whole entire journey. And uh, yeah, that was the time frame. So again, I just, I love the way that you're sharing it. And it sounds like you're, the way that this is all unfolding is actually part of the grieving process, writing the book, going Absolutely. on instead of sitting home and, you know, really just suffering yeah. is taking the kids and, yeah. knowing that you're going to have to live life so take the kids and en enjoy them and and grieve yeah. together and do it through the lens of something that you know that rob would have loved because you'd already yeah. made that promise you know you you said the universe 
I make it very well known. My listeners all know I am such a faith-based person. So God mm. is really, you know, allowing the, the doors are opening and allowing all this to happen for you. And even yeah. uh, you know, women of faith and men of faith, if you lose somebody, you know, you'll see them again in heaven. Yet, mm. what do we do here? What do we do here? How do we use our minds? How do we yeah. really focus and create mm. a state of mind that allows us to live without escaping mm. the grieving process? And yeah. it sounds like you just made this your grieving process. You did, you redefined what mm. grieving means. And I have to tell yeah. you, I am a stereotypical person who would think of grieving, aren't I supposed to suck my thumb, not be able to take a shower and lay in my bed and be mm. paralyzed and fall apart and not be productive and what you did yeah. was shape my thinking into saying this is very hard this is not easy I probably struggle with it every day but I'm replacing my frame of reference with yeah. what you're what you've done is say no I'm going to focus on the promises we had I'm going to focus on this trip I'm going to focus mm -hmm. on loving my children I'm going to focus on what my life was going towards let me just yeah write it a little bit and find the joy yeah. in it while my heart's broken and that will really help it mend. Did I summarize that? Very, very well. And if you if you don't mind, I want to very quickly pick one thing up that I noticed that you said, and because I'm so huge on language, you know, and this is really important for everyone going through this right now. I hear this a lot in my group when people say, um, and they think they're saying something brave. And uh, I want to point this out because it's really important. So often I hear it from moms. They say, well, I had no other choice. I had to because, you know, I had kids. And this is where I always say to them, this is exactly where your choices lie. And I want you to own this. You said, well, I had to for my kids, but you didn't have to. You chose to. There are enough parents or enough moms that would have, or dads even, it doesn't really matter, uh, that would have experienced that and fallen apart and not had the strength to get out of bed, have a shower, be there, be present. You made a choice. You think you had to, but there was also the other choice that you could have fallen apart, that you could have ended up in a mental ward. You know, I'm, I'm being like really picturesque here and, and very deliberately uh, exaggerating here because these things happen. People do fall apart. People do end up with, uh, you know, mental health issues around that, depression, etc. So for you to actually have done that for your children, I want you to say, I chose to do that for my children and own it because you deserve it. You've done incredibly well that you have gotten yourself out of that and you were there for your children. So I want people to own that. I want people to feel where they have the power of choice. Because so often you get, well, I didn't choose that my husband passed. I'm like, well, neither did I, but I chose what I did with it. And that is the important difference. So I just wanted to point that out because it's really, really important. It is have to. It is important and words are important. So I would, I guess I would ask you more towards moving towards some form of conclusion because I could go on and ask yeah. questions all night long. Yeah. But, so, uh, you know, do you help people? Cause a lot of this is amazing, right? But I'm listening to it through the ears and eyes of a coach that has a lot of background and mindset and how to determine and anchor a mindset. So when you're working with clients, are you helping them understand how to really choose a thought process? Are you helping them anchor a different mindset? Are you helping them work through this process to get to happy? Or is it just like, yeah. hey, here's what I did. Now you do it. What does that look like? <laughs> no, 
what I do doesn't always help you. So I can't ever, like I can use my journey as an example, no questions asked. And, uh, and of course I do that very often when it, it, when it's appropriate, when, when it's suitable. But what I do with clients is I always pick them up from where they're at. So I always see where they're at right now, where's their minds and where's their language. I'm so in tune with that because I've been working as a mindset coach for seven years prior. So I took my whole entire coaching experience and my personal experience and combine that when I develop the program for loving life after loss. So there is a free healing journey in my group where people can come in and do that. And the free healing journey literally teaches them steps to go from the very beginning where I said before, you know, that uh, separating what you have lost from who you have lost uh, into shifting your perspective, etc. There are some uh, very, very important steps that are quite generic and important for everyone, no matter where you're at and no matter how long your loss has been. Um, but if you feel that you're still stuck in the grieving journey, then these steps are really, really important to get yourself out of the stuckness, if that makes sense. So that's a really, really beautiful starting point. And then we had a different program that I ran in between. But meanwhile, one of my favorite programs is the blank canvas, where it's really all about finding a way to look at your adversity as a blank canvas and think about what you want to paint on that, if that makes sense. So it's a very metaphorical, but it's all about, um, you know, eight weeks through healing into creation, where you really become empowered to create what you want to see in your life and not succumbing to society's expectation how they think you should do it. So it's bringing it back to you. It's bringing you home to your heart and making decisions from there. And that is one of the most transformative and beautiful programs I've ever run. And it's one of my absolute favorites. So it's my absolute highlight of the week when I do these sessions. And they are very small groups. So we, we keep them between five to six people. Uh, because it's a really beautiful number to work with. It's very intimate settings. Uh, I have not had one group that didn't come out of really close friends. They stay support groups thereafter after the program, usually not even by me telling them. It just happens naturally. And seeing them before and after the program it really says it all. Like I had one, one guy that's in the program now. There's only two sessions left for this round that I'm doing. He rang me in tears and he said, Marie, I have no other words than say to you, you saved my life. And he said, I, I, I don't say that lightheartedly, you really saved my life. I can't give you words for what this program has done for me. And I said, this is so beautiful that you say that. I'm really so humbled to hear that. And it is so tricky to put into words what we do in there. You have no words for that uh, other than you need to experience it. And then my highlight of the year is the retreat. So that's coming up in November, December, um, sorry. That's amazing for anybody who wants to fly to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the retreat that. is the only tricky one. Everything else I do online so people can join from wherever they are in the world. That's important to yeah. know. So another yeah. question um, <laughs> is, would this be beneficial or open or available to people who went through divorce? Is it treated the same or no? This is strictly yeah. for grieving of, of death. I don't make the differentiation. It's the people that come in who make the differentiation. And I have in this current program, there's actually another gentleman in there who has come through divorce and had a tremendous loss through the divorce, not just, um, you know, like I, I don't want to share details actually, it's probably too personal, but there was a tremendous loss for him connected to the divorce and he's in that program as well. And interestingly enough, 
the people in there, the other people in there have all come through a loss through somebody passing in their life. And they at one stage picked up and said, you are actually worse off than us because you have no closure. And I was blown away. And I'm not saying that's a, that's a generic that's always like that. But for this particular case, I was blown away that I actually felt that, but I thought it might come across disrespectful if I stayed. But from the participants of the program to say that to him, it was so much empathy and compassion. It's really beautiful. So most people that come to my programs have experienced somebody passing in their life, but there are some in there that have gone through divorce as well. So it really is, um, yeah, whatever you feel that you need, you will get that in there. So more towards landing the plane, um, is there any mm -hmm. action step? Like, is there something our listeners could do today? If I'm going through grieving and I'm listening yeah. and I'm hanging on by a thread or maybe I'm existing, yeah. you know, I don't know the right word to use right here, but if I'm listening, yeah. is there one or two things that you would say, you could do this today and, you know, start making a move towards transformation? Anything that yeah. comes to your mind or anything that they should be thinking or? Yeah. Thank you for that question. It's really, it's really beautiful that you asked that. There are three steps and two I've already shared in here. The, the one step, I'm just going to wrap this up so we can remember again what they were. The one step is the exercise that I shared with the color orange, where you focus on your favorite color, doesn't have to be orange, and then replace it with the emotion you miss the most. In my case, that was love. Uh, the second step is the inner language, where you don't realize often is how often you have the choice, how you respond to things really remind, re, reminding yourself of that you have a choice how you respond to what has happened to you. And the third one is, and that is really important to me because this happened for, to you, for you. It is way too much to ask to say when somebody has lost someone that you see, you think you have to see that will something happen for you. This is so brutal. This is so cutthroat. So my shout out to the world here is to not ever tell people things like, oh, they're in a better place now, or, oh, this all happens for you. You'll see the bigger, bigger picture eventually. Don't ever make assumptions like that because you're robbing them of a gift that they might discover themselves one day. If you give it to them, it's not a gift. It's brutal. It's horrible. Don't ever say that to people. If they discover it themselves, it's a massive gift. Do you feel the difference? If I come to the conclusion, and it took me a while, but I came to the conclusion that I, will, I felt, wow, this was part of a master plan. This was part of Rob and my soul contract that we had. This is how I feel it now. Yet if somebody would have told me that at the beginning after Rob's passing, it would have been like somebody stabbing a knife into my heart. It would have been them robbing me of that gift of being able to discover that, if that makes sense. So don't ever take that away from people. Don't tell them he's in a better place. This is part of a master plan. Let them discover that themselves. If they come to the conclusion, it's a beautiful gift. If they don't, give them time. But do not tell them because you will rob them of a beautiful discovery, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of language that we need to choose, and that is my most important shout out to everyone if you are somebody supporting someone through this just be there for them and hold space 
don't give them any advice. Don't give them your stories. This is how I dealt with it. This is how I dealt with it. Or oh, my sister has lost a husband. Leave those stories outside for now because they have enough to deal with with their own. That's my biggest, biggest advice because people always think they have to share something that they've experienced so the other person understands that you get them. This is not about you. This is about them. And if you are somebody going through that, then have the courage to stand up and say, please give me space. Because that is the one thing that most people struggle with saying out loud. And that's what they need the most. So if you're somebody who can hold space, be there with them and do that. If you're somebody who needs to take up that space and share it with advice, then please just keep them space. That's, that's all I can say. And that's hard. It's really important. So wrapping that up, you're, you're, what you're saying is for the support system, here are the things that you do and don't do. And then yeah. for the person who's grieving is give them time to discover the gift. Yeah. Look for the gift yeah. and that'll come in time. It'll come in Yeah, time. absolutely. It has to come at their divine timing. You know, I, I can't express how important this topic is, how important your message is, how, I, I mean, especially, you know, in the last 18 months of my life, having seen way too many close friends of mine go through this process of the yeah. grieving, and, you know, there, I, I wish I could say, is there a right way, a wrong way, a, you know, a better way than the other, but That's just your way. this is another um, beautiful, positive way journey to get through it that I am looking forward to sharing with the, the gem revealed world and whoever that ripples out to and affects. So Marie, you're amazing. So the last thing I would ask you is you already mentioned that you have programs and groups and, and retreats and so on. And, and sounds like the retreat is in person in Australia. So I'm inviting everyone to get on one concord and fly over. But <laughs> outside of that, um, how would our listeners get in touch with you to find out more detail or how do they find out more details on these specific topics yeah. or groups so that they can um, learn more from you thank you so much so i think that's where we should play my way frank sinatra in the background to fade it out <laughs> so the, the easiest way to get in touch is mariealessi.com and that's where you find my group my book the courses the programs a get in touch button you can book a session with me um, i always do free 50 minutes just get in touch to get started uh, I want people to have the opportunity to reach out to me whenever they need to and there's also a really nice newsletter that I came up with Sparks of Joy where you can subscribe to and I love it because it's a daily two to three sentences quick spark of joy um, yeah so you find everything on mariealessi.com mariealessi.com and it'll be in the notes below so yeah marie thank you so much for sharing your story thank you for encouraging all of us uh yours you know there's just so many nuggets of wisdom and love and compassion in there that you've certainly reframed my thinking so thank you again thank, and thank you, you so for much for the opportunity and um thank and i look forward to hearing more from you in the future Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Gem Revealed's podcast, Discover Your Soulmate. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. We really value your opinion, so please feel free to send us your question, comments, or feedback. You can email us at info at gemrevealed.com. You can also find out more about Gem Revealed services by visiting gemrevealed.com. 
I'll see you next time as we discover your soulmate.